turn off the media, turn off the TV, um, and go outside. I think that's why, um, I mean, the outdoor industry has gotten such a boom this year because everybody wants to get outside and explore during quarantine and explore the rivers and still be able to be safe. Um, so what my advice is just like, pick up a hobby, go surfing. Um, I mean, every time I go surfing, it clears my head. I mean, I've never regretted going out surfing or going out for a paddle, even in really windy, crappy weather. I've, I've never regretted it. (laughs) Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. What's up, everyone? I'm Paul Clark. So, Paul, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a couple of crazy months since the last time I recorded a podcast, and I've avoided as much as possible the headlines, which are dominated still by COVID, riots, record unemployment, wildfires, Trump, Black Lives Matter protests, and the violent counter protests. Uh. So, in late September, I was pleased to read. A BBC headlines about surfing in Ohio. They were featuring my buddy Shannon Thomas, who owns Surf Dayton. In this podcast, we're talking with Shannon. So without further ado, Shannon Thomas. Hey, what's up, Paul? Shannon, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Not bad at all. How's uh, life in uh, Dayton, Ohio at the moment? It's not bad. It's actually really nice out here today. Um, like fall hasn't really, you know, there's fall weather in the air, but it's not really set in yet. So it's kind of like that nice 65 and sunny. Oh, sweet. So, good. Shanna Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Ah, my pleasure. I mean, I've been traveling through the western United States for a number of years and I've been paddling on a bunch of rivers and I really I really love a river lifestyle and I wouldn't know the rivers without a board. You're in the Midwest, you're in Dayton, Ohio. What's the paddleboarding yes. and river scene like out there? Um, it's very much in the beginning stages, but it's, uh, it's growing fast. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of recreational kayaking and canoeing around here. We have a lot of river systems. Uh, they're all class one, you know, scenic, but we have a lot of, uh, man-made features here. Um, so surfing and paddleboarding has really taken off here and it's just, you know, it's, it's a little bit behind probably, you know, how it is out West, but, um, it's catching on and it's, uh, it's growing. And you're in Dayton, Ohio. What's the what are what are the rivers that are out there? Um, so we have probably about six rivers total. Uh, we have the Great Miami, the Mad River, which uh, they connect downtown along with the Stillwater. Uh, we have Wolf Creek and Twin Creek, and then so that basically makes up the Five Rivers Metro Parks system. That they're the ones that help uh, got the waves here, and uh, the, both all the waves are actually in the Five Rivers Metro Parks. Uh, then we have another river called the Little Miami that is uh, just outside of uh, Montgomery County. So uh, we paddle that one quite often as well. And over the last couple of months, I've been trying to avoid headlines, which have been dominated with COVID and riots and record yes. unemployment and wildfire, <laughs> wildfires and Trump and Black Lives Matter protests and counter protests. So in late September, when I opened the BBC and saw served Dayton featured in that, your business, and how in Ohio, corn country, surfing is booming. What a great article. Yeah. That really made me smile, and I reached out to you, and I said, man, 
I need to 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 to, to reach out and say howdy and uh, congratulations for that article. Yeah, thank you. Ohio is definitely not known for surfing. You're from Ohio. How did you get involved in surfing, whether it be on rivers or coast? You know, Ohio people, Ohioans, is that what they're called? Ohio. What are what are people called from Ohio? Buckeyes. Pretty much, yeah. Buckeyes or Ohioans. <laughs> Ohioans. Where does the Ohio yeah. learn how to surf before your business, Surf Dayton, began? So basically, uh, my story started out canoeing. Um, I worked at a print shop, and both the owners were like real old school canoers. Um, so I learned a lot about canoeing and like the paddle stroke kind of from them, and then that got into like multi day trips. And then that led into kayaking, um, you know, to do more solo trips. And then that led into like white water. And then I realized like, I don't really like being like strapped into a boat and, you know, I got my roll down, but I didn't really like going upside down. And, um, it was kind of hurting my back for sitting for a long period of time. And then when I found out about stand up paddle boarding, I was like, Oh, that's it. And so I started doing multi-day trips on a paddle board. Mm. And then, of course, that, again, led into white water, which led into river surfing, like river subsurfing. Um, and then we got our features uh, built here in Dayton. Um, they're all, you know, they're all kind of urban vibed, um, man-made whitewater features. So we can surf those. And then that kind of led into uh, prone river surfing. So I kind of went through the whole spectrum of uh, kind of paddling from around here. So surfing actually, for you, originated in the river, not the ocean itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I mean, I definitely ocean surf um, in the wintertime. Um, it's actually funny. I actually prefer prone surfing in the river, but in the ocean, I'd rather subsurf because I'd rather, like, get out and catch as many waves as possible. And the easiest way to do that is on a sub. But on, um, on the river, I actually like the prone surf because I don't have to swim with a paddle in my hand, and I can just have more, more, uh, more turns on the wave. And now you're teaching people how to do it. Uh, and according to the BBC yeah. article written by uh, Stephen uh, Stark, is that who that was? Uh, Stephen Starr, yeah. Stephen Starr. You're, even during COVID, making record numbers of people aware that uh, that river recreation is possible, especially river surfing. So, like, it sounds like this has been a, even though it's been a crazy year, it's been a pretty good year for you and your business and for the sport of, uh, of river paddling. Yeah, um, this is our second year in business. Um, I mean, I basically, Surf Dayton was just a community website. Um, I just had it, and uh, I had to come back to Dayton. I, I mean, I was traveling full-time in my van, you know, um, just river surfing and having fun. And then I knew I had to be back in Dayton for July for a couple of months. And that's why I got the idea to start Surf Dayton into a legitimate business and actually turn into, like, um, river surf clinics and paddleboard clinics. Um, so me and my business partner, Jake Brown, you know, turned into a company and we didn't really start till July 1st last year. So we only had like, you know, two months of solid, um, you know, window before it got too cold. Uh, but this year we actually have the whole season. And, uh, I think last year we did about 25 clinics this year. We did about 75 clinics. That's crazy. And congratulations. Thank you. Who Who is the person that's taking a clinic from you? Are they men? Are they women? Are they older? Are they younger? Are they kids? Who's Who Who are they? Actually, everybody that you just said, uh, we actually have a wide spectrum. Um, we did a lot of families, you know, a lot of, um, you know, like a dad and their, their, you know, their teenage daughter would take lessons. Um, their sons, you know, like we do a lot of different families, a lot of friends. Um 
you know, a lot of our friends took lessons that, you know, aren't surfers, but, you know, they're friends of ours. Um, we've done quite a few uh, kids. We made one exception we, um, where we did a group of 10-year-olds, um, and they're all on a swim team, so they did really well. But generally, we always try to keep um, the age 13 and up. Um, but we did a lot of kids and, you know, a lot of older people, too. We had, I think the oldest person we had surfing was 65. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, yeah, we pretty much have a 95% success rate of someone standing by the end of their lesson. Uh, We have a 100% success rate of someone at least getting to their knees on the board. Mm -hmm. How does a a person prepare for river surfing? Do you do a lot of uh, dry land scenarios and where you just get out and get wet and see how it works, get weird, like I say? Yeah, we do. We have about a two-hour lesson, and we do about thirty minutes of on-land instruction. We go over safety. We go over, you know, just river etiquette. Um, I talk about river left, river right, safety signals, um, and then we kind of break down getting into the wave, and then we break down how to stand up on the on the board once you're in the wave. Um, we we have like different commands. We kind of have like down to like a rocket science um, um, on land. So. Uh, once we get people on the water, as long as they were paying attention, they actually do pretty well. Um, we also have an iPad that we film mm. every attempt. So basically, after everybody does a couple of attempts, you know, I'll go around and show everybody their last couple surfs and show them what they're doing wrong or what they're doing right. Um, those kind of little adjustments to, you know, to help them succeed. Video analysis is key for understanding. Uh, stance, yeah, absolutely. body position. Like, I'll I'll think that I'm running a rapid in just, you know, a superhero stance, you know, solid, low, and then I look at the video and it looks like I'm just an old man pushing a walker about to fall in, like, ah! So, yeah, video analysis (laughs) definitely makes for better better athletes, for sure. How are you able to to manage people's safety? Uh, The idea of just getting flushed down the river, how how realistic is that? Um, So, actually, the Dayton waves are very easy to learn because we don't have like a huge long whitewater stretch we have the one drop which creates the wave and then you know there's a little bit of a wave train afterwards but then it ends up in an eddy like you're like if you don't swim at all you're gonna get into an eddy eventually um there's there's never any hazardous downstream you're not gonna go very far um so we have two instructors so one person is usually in the water the other person is filming um, so we always say, you know, second in line, make sure the other person's fine. So we always have one person go, make sure they make it safely into the eddy, um, before the next person goes. Um, we always have a board there. So if we need to swim after somebody, we can, but, um, I mean, it's a pretty, uh, the, the wave itself is a very beginner friendly learning place. It's, it's not like, you know, a big wave in Colorado or anything like that. And the whitewater parks and the natural waves that I've been at, I've been really impressed how, like, good the vibe is. People are encouraging. People are supportive. Uh, it's it's just a really good experience. It's not always the same for, for an ocean wave. But Bend, of course, where I'm from, yeah. you'll have Jerry Lopez, and you'll have people of his caliber, legends, out there showing people who have never been on a board, let alone a wave, giving them pointers. And I just love that. And it sounds like your wave is the same way. Yeah, exactly. Everybody helps each other. Everybody's like offering each other's boards to try different things, you know, try different boards. Um, everybody looks out for each other. Um, you know, with our river system, we have a lot of, you know, 
heavy rains tracks a lot of debris and always it's a Yeti. Like every time it rains, um, everybody just flocks the wave to help clean it up. You know, we, we have a great community here. Um, you know, we offer ding repairs for all the locals, you know, we're always there to help everybody and help each other. So we have a, we have a great, uh, Facebook group page as well. Um, we're always sharing data and like, you know, doing surf reports. So like letting everybody know when the wave's really good and stuff like that. How crowded is that wave becoming? I mean, you used to be like the only guy on there. Now, if you're doing yeah. <laughs> 20 plus clinics in a, in a summer season that, you know, I would imagine it's getting a little populated. Yeah, we've had um, several days where it's been pretty crowded. Um, I mean, yeah, a couple of years ago, it was just me and like two other guys surfing. So, and it was kind of like, man, there could use a few more people in the lineup because the time you get back in line, it's your turn again, you know? So you kind of want to break. Um, but yeah, I mean, some days it gets really crowded down there, especially when we're doing a group of lessons, you know, where we have a group of five or six people in the, in the group. And then there's obviously all the local surfers. Um, but everybody kind of like, you know, everybody really looks out for us you know if they know we're doing a lesson they always kind of give us priority which is awesome of them mm. um and next year we are going to be doing lessons during the day you know most people work till five so the evenings always kind of get more crowded so next year i'm not going to be working a regular day job so i'm able to do lessons during the day so we are going to be switching that to when the kind of the less busy time to do lessons um then the evenings will be more for like locals and stuff and, you, and it's it's crazy because everybody who's like done a, like a lot of people that do lessons with us, they end up buying boards yeah. and then kind of like you know start coming on their own. And so like almost all the people that surf on a regular basis there have taken a lesson from us in the past. Building the community, and I think when you build exactly. a river community, you also build a, a larger population of river stewards, uh, understanding what a river is and how it is, but also you know cleaning things up, like you said, and being aware of yeah toxins and chemicals that might be in the river. I would imagine there is a lot of agricultural and industrial runoff in Ohio rivers. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the Great Miami is pretty good. It's actually one of the cleaner rivers. Um, if you go farther south of Dayton, it does get a little dirtier, I've been told. Um, we, we have a couple websites we check. You can check the bacteria levels and stuff. Um, so the Green Miami and the Mad River where they converge actually is pretty clean. And then we also have an aquifer that runs underneath the river, which is where we get all our drinking water from, which is why we have such great breweries here. Ah. Um, but the aquifer is very clean water as well. It's like a river that kind of runs underneath the river a little bit. So um, but that, that kind of helps with the water quality. Well, that's but obviously after heavy rains, obviously after heavy rains, like any river is going to get a little more, you know, the bacteria levels are going to rise. The typical CFS is about a thousand during the summer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, generally we like to surf it anywhere between like 550 CFS to a thousand CFS, which is like the good window. Um, yeah, that's that's usually the uh, the average. Tell us about flood stage though surfing in in flood stage I, I joke because you know you've been called on by uh like the fire department and police because you're out there surfing and people will walk by and say what is going on there so uh it talks to us yeah. about uh, some of the, the the past history of flood stage and uh surprising locals that you're on a board out there yeah a few years ago you know the wave was still kind of new and uh you know there's there's basically two drops where the art museum wave is. There's a basic and easy canoe shoot, and then there's the main play wave. 
Um, well, where the lowest spot is, is the canoe chute. So when all the islands get flooded around 20,000 CFS, um, all those islands are underwater and it creates this huge wave, what we call juggernaut wave on river left. And, uh, you have to kind of catch on the fly. You have to go way above it, you know, paddle way out the river, catch on the fly. Um, if you don't catch it on the fly, you have another like hundred yards swim afterwards. Um, but yeah, like, um, I think uh, maybe I think it was like three or four years ago now. Um, I went and searched at a flood stage, and um, I guess the fire department got about four nine one one calls of someone swimming in the river. Um, so they showed up thinking they got to do a rescue or something. But you know, I kept tapping my helmet, telling them I'm good. I, you know, and, um, you know, they were they were pretty chill about it. They had to come out because nine one one was called. You know, so um, and they've gotten pretty used to it. My business partner Jake Brown is also a firefighter as well. Um, and so obviously I met him after all this, <laughs> but, uh, the fire, the fire department is super cool. We've had the chief out, uh, for a lesson this summer. Um, we've had several of the fire fighters out for lessons and stuff. So, um, they're super cool about it and they love what we're doing. Um, and obviously, you know, we're, you know, we're out there running safety as well, you know, with the kayaker coming down, not understanding the white water, not wearing a life jacket. So we've had to do a few rescues of someone just not wearing the safety gear and, you know, getting in trouble. Uh, so they love that we're out there teaching safety as well. Absolutely, I imagine. And, you know, having those relationships with the, the fire department and the, the Swift Water Rescue folks, that's a, a, those are good relationships as well. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're expanding. At the, the moment, you're building your, your storage and your office space for next year. Tell us what you're doing. Um, so basically, we, we were basically operating the whole company out of a five by eight enclosed trailer, which actually got stolen earlier this year, but we got it back within 24 hours with some of our boards missing. Um, but we ended up raising enough money and we got a shipping container, a 20 foot shipping container. And so, uh, we wanted a more secure place to put our boards in the winter time. And, you know, so we're creating, um, basically a surf shop that's going to be in a 20 foot shipping container. We're going to have, um, obviously our board storage. We're going to have all our surf date and merchandise, um, in there, but we're also going to have a, um, a, a keg tap and some beers and stuff. So it's kind of be like a locals after hours surf spot. Um, we're also going to build a party deck up top, um, that you can see downtown from, um, this is all in the back of, uh, my, my printing shop that I also own. So it kind of goes hand in hand as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, going to be like Dayton's little first surf shop. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. Congratulations for that too. And I've been impressed yeah, over you. the last few years following you because of your van life. Like you did a, a, a van rebuild and I think you're on your second one now. Tell us a little bit about yeah. van life and, and, uh, and, and making those conversions. Um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. The first one I did, I did it on a, a 170,000 mile, uh, 2014 Dodger and Master. I lived out of that for the last two and a half years. And then, um, you know, started getting kind of high mileage, but I mean, it's still running good and everything. Um, but I just got ideas for a new build and I wanted it more kind of polished, I guess. I wanted it to look like, you know, like an apartment. <laughs> uh, so um, so I sold that one and used it to put down a down payment on a new one. So I got a 2018 Ford Transit, uh, 250 extended. So it has about two feet more of cargo space. Um, and I'm about 85% done. Um, I still only get solar and like the batteries for, um, I want to get all goal zero and goal zero of course is like sold out right now. Um, with everything. So I'm, I'm still waiting on that. And then, um, just a lot of trim and like little finishing details, but, um, I took it on a, um, 
uh, its first excursion to Sleeping Bear Dunes a couple weeks ago. Where's um, so where, where, where's that? It sounds like it's a coast. Uh, that's in uh, that's in Michigan, Lake Michigan, um, the very uh, kind of near Traverse City. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we, I just took it there for a weekend, just kind of like to go on. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I enjoy building them out, and uh, it's just like kind of a challenge. And I like uh, living and building tiny spaces. The the tiny house thing is real, and the van life thing is real. And this year, apparently, the RV world is has increased six hundred percent. And in, out in the West, you're seeing wow. super vans and transit vans running around. And actually, I was just up in the Metow Valley in northern uh, Washington, and locals. I'm driving to transit as well. Locals would be saying, "Oh, just another van with people who don't know how to operate them." Meaning, <laughs> yeah. people are just throwing their stuff, their trash, uh, human waste. Uh, you know, the 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 number of of sprinter van lifestyle people are coming up to the valley, and the and the waste, the human waste in particular, has has grown exponentially. And I personally don't blame the the sprinter van people because usually. If it's a it's a built out van, the first thing people show you is their compostable toilet. Uh, yeah. But like the van life thing is is definitely real, and uh, people are spending a lot of money to to be on the road, and you know, I guess quarantine themselves on the road. I'm certainly experiencing that, but uh, it, you don't just pay for someone to build it. You're building it out, and you have uh, now the second time yourself about how much does it cost do you think to to build a van um, build out a van yourself i'd say probably i mean a lot of it's sweat labor obviously but uh i'd say probably around like two grand in materials i mean you could obviously go more i probably spend about three grand in materials when it comes with like the sink and you know all the little components and stuff but you know with the you know if you get a roof rack that's two grand right there um, you know, the ladder, the solar batteries, you know, that starts to add up. So I'd say altogether, you're looking at spending about 10 grand on a build if you do it yourself um, and just materials and solar and electric and all that. And um, it, but, you know, obviously not, not everybody wants to live in a van full time. Like I live in a van so I can travel and surf and stuff like that. If I wasn't, I didn't have my hobbies, I probably wouldn't be living in a van. <laughs> how is wintering? van lifestyle in in ohio um it is not fun i've done it um fortunately i mean i have a house right now that i'm, I'm i rent out one of the houses and i'm staying at another friend's house um while i'm kind of renovating his house um so i'm kind of stationary so i'm actually not living in the van um right now um but it you know the van life it's something that i kind of do six to eight months out of the year. Sure. Um, so during winter time, I usually stealth it somewhere or usually I'm, you know, I get a room somewhere at a house or I'll spend, you know, winter in Florida living in the van. I'll get a spot or something at a friend's house down there. Um, where winter in Florida is actually pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> where in Florida? Um, usually around Daytona, New Smyrna, um, Ormond beach area. Relatives who have a retirement home in, in Venice, and uh, I've been invited to, to to winter with them, and I'm like, hmm, that might not be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The winter times when I get all my ocean surfing in, so I like the uh, like Ponce Inlet, New Smyrna like area. That's like it's got good waves for most of the winter, and um, it's got a nice little surf scene. And I got some friends out there. 
traveling, exploring, being self-contained, uh, those are all the, the things that I like about adventure travel and paddling on rivers, the being with the flow, being creative, those are all important things and, and you're, you're doing well with all of that. If a person were, and you deal with them all the time, if a person were just getting into river paddling, what are some things that you recommend them? What are your advice for people to be on the river safely with a board? Um, I think uh, the first couple things is, you know, find somebody to do it with. Uh, you know, a lot of people get in trouble when they're by themselves, but if you, you know, if you at least have a paddling partner, um, you know, you're definitely going to be safer. Um, and just basically having all the right safety gear and knowing the river as well. Um, you know, you know, don't run a stretch of river that you've never ran before, especially with white water. You know, always kind of go with a guide or, you know, just have this proper safety gear pretty much. And how would you describe proper safety gear? Um, helmet, a full PFD, and a quick-release leash. Um, definitely the leash is a big thing because it's like your safety device. It pulls you back to the board, but you also can very easily get hung up on a strainer. Um, so you definitely want to have that quick-release option. Um, that's how a lot of people get in trouble with, like, you know, an ankle leash or something like that. And there definitely seems to be a division between surfers who come from the ocean versus paddlers, river paddlers who take up river surfing. The ocean surfer typically yes. is a, a wetsuit, no shoes, ankle leash. The river uh-huh. paddler tends to be what you just described, a full PFD, a helmet, a quick release uh, leash worn above the waist. How do those blend? And what do you say to people who do have more of a, a traditional ocean surfing background and bring that equipment to your river? Um, I mean, this one's going to be kind of an opinion thing. Um, you know, obviously it's up to each person to be responsible for themselves. Um, you know, I try to be as safety as safely as possible, but you know, um, you know, I can't really control what other people do. You know, I can only lead by example. Um, you know, but if someone gets in trouble, you know, like if someone wasn't wearing a PFD and they get in trouble, you know, obviously like, someone with a PFD is probably going to be the one out there trying to save them or, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a, it's kind of a gray area a little bit. You know, I know there's two different kinds, two different types, you know, the ocean surfers and the river surfers blending together. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to look out for each other and um, just try to have fun and do the sport as safely as you can. Uh, well, that's great advice too, and you know, I think I think the world right now, or at least the the world that I'm familiar with, being in the United States, we're just so polarized, we're so divided. If anybody's a little yeah. different, they're they're a villain, they're demonized. Oh, you're wearing a helmet and a PFD, you're a kook, or oh, you're not wearing a helmet or a PFD, you're dangerous. I like the I like yeah. your I like your comment right there. Just like you're all together, let's just surf. Ideally, yeah, exactly. there's going to be a, a uniform you wear for safety, but both sides have their 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 legitimate reasons. I mean, there is a reason why ocean surfers don't wear a PFD. They don't necessarily want to be on the surface of a, of a crashing wave. I don't know if that really applies yeah. so much for the river, but that's what they know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, wearing a full PFD, it does get a little bit harder to lay on your board, especially, you know, a smaller waxed ocean board. Um, you know, if you're not laying flat on it, it, it does get a little more unbalanced. So I think that's also why a lot of ocean surfers who come to the river don't wear, you know, a regular PFD. 
um, yeah, it's just going to be a personal preference thing. You know, like I, I try to, it also depends on where you're surfing at too. You know, some waves, um, you know, some waves have different etiquette, you know? So I just try to like, you know, blend with the locals and, you know, no one has ever made fun of me for wearing a PFD or a helmet. Um, you know, I've never gotten any kind of bad vibe in the river like that. Oh, fantastic. And we're going to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but I think I already have a good sense of, of your positive attitude, good vibes only. But in, in dark times, in chaotic times, and I don't see these these crazy times getting any uh, saner in the next uh, few months, what's your advice for people just to to live peacefully and not be crazy? Um, I think you just gotta take some time for yourself sometimes, you know, don't, you know, turn off the media, turn off the TV, um, and go outside. I think that's why, um, I mean, the outdoor industry has gotten such a boom this year because everybody wants to get outside and explore during quarantine and explore the rivers and still be able to be safe. Um, so what my advice is just like, pick up a hobby, go surfing. Um, I mean, every time I go surfing, it clears my head. I mean, I've never regretted going out surfing or going out for a paddle even in really windy crappy weather i've i've never regretted it <laughs> with that shannon thank you uh i yeah, haven't you. had a, a podcast episode in the last couple of months because i've kind of taken that advice to heart i've escaped into the backcountry of hike boards up into the sawtooth mountains in idaho and have crossed uh, lake chelan on a paddleboard and have run some fun rivers uh you're the first person I've interviewed in two months. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, thank you. And, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and, and with that, have a great rest of the day. I, I love the motivation that you have. I love watching your social media. It's definitely encouraging, positive, and reminds me that people are good when they go with the flow. Thanks so much, Shannon. Yep. Thank you, Paul.